You know, there are those times in life where we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has spoken to us. Maybe it was something in the Word that you read. Maybe it was a, a sermon that you heard. Maybe it was a music that you heard or a small group that you're in, and you knew that God was speaking directly to you. We don't know a lot about Jonah's life. We know he was a prophet, but we know that there was a story, and part of the story was God spoke directly to Jonah. And every time God speaks to Jonah or to us, we have an option. And the option is, do I listen and obey or do I keep doing what I'm doing because I'm more comfortable with what I'm doing? Jonah chose this one. We know that when God spoke and when God spoke directly to Jonah, and he said, Jonah, I've got something I want for you. I want you to go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. We know that for whatever reason, whether it was fear, doubt, whatever it was, Jonah went, well, if that's what you want me to do, I'm going to go the other direction. And we know that Jonah went and he got on a boat. We know that Jonah was going to an area called Tarshish, which was the further, furthermost western part of the known world. So he wanted to go so far from Nineveh that he could possibly get, and that was the city of Tarshish. We know that a, a great storm came. We know that they figured out it was Jonah's fault. We know that they threw Jonah overboard. We know that Jonah was swallowed by a great fish. Mike, is the story of the fish real? Well, we know this. Jesus compared his resurrection to Jonah being in the belly of the fish, so we're going to go, well, I'm going to go with it because I sure am hoping the resurrection's true. And now we have Jonah getting a second chance. Here he is in the belly of the fish all of Jonah chapter 2 was Jonah going God if you speak to me again I'll get it right next time if you'll come to me one more time I'll get it right next time and all of chapter 2 is Jonah crying out to the Lord at the end of himself and we've all been there that time that God spoke to us and God said I want you to go this way and we went no I think I'm going to go that way and God gets our attention he gets our, our, our mind back we hear from him and we get our second chances. The story we're going to read today is about Jonah's second chance. It's a great story. A story you may have grown up hearing, a story you may have, have listened to a million times. But the question of the day isn't just what God said to Jonah. The question of the day is what God says to us. Jonah chapter 3. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out this morning. If you've got the North Star Church app, you can pull it out, North Star Church, Georgia, and go to the little sermon for today, and it will pull up uh, the scripture that we're going to go through. Jonah chapter 3. Here is Jonah the fish has brought Jonah up. He's, I love the way Scripture says it. It says it vomited him out onto the shore. And here is Jonah now with a new passion and a new call and a new drive and a new smell. All right, here we go. Jonah chapter 3. Let's pick up down reading in verse number 1. And I love this. So Jonah now is out on the shore. And the Bible says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the what time? What does it say? The second time. The first time Jonah went, I don't think so. The second time was a little bit different. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. How many of you are thankful for second chances? Raise your hand. You're thankful for second chances. How many of y'all are thankful for third chances? How about four chances? You're going, I'll get out of that before I get out of the parking lot. All right, and so Jonah got a second chance. All of Scripture, 
is about God giving second chances. Very rarely do people get it right the first time. I love that we serve a God that's a God that gives us a second chance. Because if I had gone to Jonah and told him what I wanted him to do and he hadn't done it, I'd have been hacked off with Jonah. All right, I would have put a little punishment on Jonah, a little worse than what he had to go through. But he came to Jonah a second time. And listen to what he says. He said, I want you to arise, verse 2, go to Nineveh, the great city, proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. All right, so let's take this in bunches. Jonah, I want you to go to the great city of Nineveh. Here's what we know about Nineveh. Nineveh was not a good place. How many of y'all, when you were growing up, your parent at some point told you, I don't mind where you go, but I don't want you to go there because that's the bad side of town. How many of y'all have ever heard that before? All right, that's a bad side of town. Nineveh was a bad side of town. It was occupied by the Assyrians. We know that they were a vile people. They were a rough people. They were not good people. And he said, Jonah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the city of Nineveh and proclaim the news that I'm going to tell you. Now, this is like a riddle, all right? Because he doesn't tell Jonah what it is that he wants him to tell yet. He just wants Jonah to go. Now, Yes or no? Help me out. Is God going to use Jonah in the city of Nineveh? Yes or no? Yes. God doesn't need Jonah's ability. Now, I want you to get this. He is just looking for Jonah's availability. Now, this is a big part of the story. Here's where we all fit in. God isn't looking because he wants to use you because you're the most talented person around. I don't mean to let the air out of your balloon. But it, it, he's not looking at using you because you're the best looking one or you're the one that's got it all together or you're the one that has the most upside. No, 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 no. That's not why God's looking to use you. God is just looking for available people to use. He just tells Jonah, listen, I need you to go to the great city of Nineveh. Okay, Lord, I'm ready. What do you want me to say? I'll tell you when you get there. Oh, that's helpful. All right, and so there goes Jonah on the trip, but it's, it's all throughout the Old Testament. He looks at Abraham and said, I want you to go to the land which I am going to show you. I just need you to trust me, and I want you to write a word out beside verse 2. Ready? And here's the word, faith. That's the word, faith. He is looking to see if Jonah is going to trust him. I want you to go to the great city of Nineveh, and I want you to proclaim against it. Verse 3, so Jonah arose, and he went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. We know that when Jonah got to Nineveh, Nineveh was surrounded by walls. Archaeologists have found those walls just in the last few years. There was an outer wall, and there was an inner wall that was eight miles. It was a great fortified city and Jonah now is going to go preach against the city 
Jonah's not showing up to tell them how sweet they are and nice they are. He is going to preach against city. So get in your mind a guy wearing all Georgia Tech stuff going to Athens, right by the big little gate there in Athens and preaching against Athens. Needs to happen. But anyways, so just get that, just get that in your mind. Y'all, it's fall. Let's let it go, all right? And so you got that in your mind. That's it. Listen, it wasn't like they're looking for Jonah going, we can't wait for, they didn't even know who Jonah was. Most likely Jonah was bleached out. Most likely Jonah had probably lost his hair because of the enzymes in the, in the fish's stomach. And now I want you to go proclaim and preach against the great city. Keep reading. Then Jonah began to go through the cities one day's walk, and he cried out, and he said this, Yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. That was the message. Yet 40 days... And Nineveh is going to be overthrown. Yet 40 days and Nineveh, that was all he said. Yet 40 days and Nineveh is going to be overthrown. We know every time the number 40 is mentioned in the Old Testament or New Testament, it represents a time of testing. God was giving a test to the city of Nineveh. Are you going to listen to what I'm going to tell you or there will be a result because where they were headed was a bad, bad place. And so here's Jonah Yet 40 days, and the city of Nineveh will be destroyed. I, I mean, as a, as a speaker, I'm looking at that going, really? I mean, that's all you said? Just yet, I mean, this wasn't a five-second sermon. Yet 40, y'all were like, well, that would be nice. All right, and so yet 40 days, and the city's going to be destroyed? Look at verse number five. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God. They called a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. God had a message to send. He needed Jonah to take it. It was not Jonah that brought the power. It was God that brought the power. Would y'all nod with me if that's true? It was God that brought the power. God has a work he wants to do in our generation too. He doesn't need powerful people to take the message. He needs available people to take the message. And what Jonah didn't think could happen, happened. Then the people believed in who? What does it say? Then the people, let me make sure it's on the screen, all right? So then the people believed in who? God. Jonah is just being available. He shares the message, and all of a sudden, an entire nation believes in God. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. So sackcloth was like a burlap material that's made out of goat's hair. You probably weren't going to find this for sale in the uh, division at Target today. All right? So it's like burlap made out of goat hair. It is not comfortable. It rubs, and it's what people would put on during times of mourning. It was worn, actually, by poor people. So they put this on to say, God, we need your mercy. Let's keep reading. 
When the king, when the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, which was the regal part of what he wore, the regality of the day. He laid aside his robe from him, covered himself in sackcloth, issued a proclamation and said, in Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth. And let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. Time out. All Jonah told them was repent. In 40 days or Nineveh is going to be overthrown. But yet God took what Jonah said, delivered it to the king and everybody else. Everybody look at me. And everybody got it. It's the power of the Holy Spirit at works, what that is. He takes mere words, infuses them, puts in people's lives, and people are walking out of there and the king is going, well, we gotta change how we're doing. Maybe, maybe if we change, God will relent. And look at verse number 10. When God saw their deeds, the people of Nineveh, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Would you underline that little phrase? He did not do it. God spared the people of Nineveh because of Jonah's obedience, because of their obedience, they were spared. And we wonder sometimes, do our prayers matter? And the answer to that is what? Yes. Would you pray with me? Right where you're seated this morning, would you just ask God to speak to your heart like he spoke to Jonah with clarity? Would you tell him today in your own words, God, when you speak, I promise I will listen. And then would you ask him to remove the fear from saying yes? God, over these few short minutes we have left together this morning, would you just settle up in this room? God, would you pull up a chair in our lives? God, may today not be about a story we read, but about a living story that we are breathing today of how you still change lives and you still change directions. So God, speak to us, use us, and teach us. And Father, that is my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if I have never met you before, my name is Mike. It's an honor to be on this journey with you. Here we are at the end of summer school. It's not even back. Great crowd, and I'm really, really glad you're here. Pen, pencil, something to write with. You got your little worship guide. You got your thumbs working really well this morning on your notes. What are the things that we pull, we mine out of this that God wants us to know? And the truth about how God changes us. All right, time out. Everybody look at me real quick. Y'all do know that God still changes people. Did y'all know that? Everybody nodded with me if you knew that. God still changes people. He takes people that walk in one way and he can shape them and change them and they walk out completely differently than they may have walked in. Here's ways that God changes us. Number one, God speaks the truth that frees me. 
God speaks the truth that frees me. Jonah walked into this great, nasty, vile city, and he spoke truth that freed those people. Wasn't easy to hear. Sometimes truth's hard to hear. Sometimes we don't like truth. Here's how I know when it's truth. When it makes me mad, when somebody says it to me, it was probably truth. I remember when the kids were growing up, I'd, I'd had an occasion every now and then to, to, to back talk an umpire just every now and then, and I'd do that a little bit, and I'd get in the car, and Ann would say something, and I, it would make me mad that she'd say something because she was right. Jonah spoke truth, and that truth set these people free. How does God speak truth in his lives? I want you to write down a couple thoughts. Ready? Sometimes he speaks truth and always speaks truth through his word. That means if I never open this up, I will never hear truth. So if all you get Sundays, all you got a truth Sundays. But if you go, you know what? I want God to speak in my life more. Maybe you, you go online to our app and, and order the Digging Deeper and you look at it and you read it every day. You get another devotional and you let God begin to speak truth. And sometimes, God, what truth does, it's like a light. It's like a big light that shines in on something. And we're like, man, I didn't know that was there. Sometimes God speaks truth through other people. Maybe it's a friend, a good friend, who loves you enough to be truthful. I don't know if you have any truth tellers in your life that they tell you what you need to hear not what you want to hear right my brother's here today my mom was a truth teller she did not whether you wanted it or not it was coming your way jack all right and so i can guarantee you that she was a truth teller she was somebody that was just going to tell you like it she would say i'm going to tell you like it is well i'm thankful for truth tell sometimes it's through his word sometimes it's through other people Sometimes it's through a group. Sometimes it's through a message. Sometimes, and it's the crazy part is God will say something to you and sitting right beside you, God didn't say anything to the person sitting down from me. He said it directly to you. Because God speaks truth and truth sets us free. Jesus said that in the New Testament. He said, truth will set you, set you free. I want you to write this little thought down under number one. When God gives us truth, it's always out of grace. When God gives us truth, it's always out of grace, and it's to set free our hearts and to win our hearts. When God gives truth, it's always out of grace. And he shines that light in on something in our lives, and here's what we know. I have an option, same option Jonah had. Am I going to do something with what God told me, or am I going to go the other direction? That's an option every one of us in this room have. Am I going to do something with what God told me, or am I going to go the other direction? If we want God alive and well in our lives, yes or no? After the city of Nineveh, do you think that, yes or no question, do you believe that Jonah felt like God had used him, yes or no? Yes. When he ran, the answer would have been no. But we all have that option. God speaks truth that sets us free. Point number two. God breaks the pride that holds me. God breaks the pride that holds me. I, I love this. 
They called a fast, meaning they weren't going to eat. They called a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. God took those words Jonah shared, and it broke the pride of people who thought they were living the best way. God got their attention, and they went, we don't want to go that way. And literally, it's the picture of repentance. The city of Nineveh is warring. They're fighting. They're bad people. They're headed this direction. They hear these simple words from Jonah, empowered by God, and they're like, I don't want to go that way anymore. I'm going to go that way. And he broke their pride. Confidence is a great thing. Pride is a dangerous thing. Confidence means you're gifted and you're, you, you have confidence in the abilities that God's given you. Pride says, I have a better way than God's way. Do you know that 90, over 90% of people who come to know the Lord come to know the Lord before the age of 13? Do you know that? Do you know why? Because the older we get, the more we think we know stuff the more prideful we get. How many of y'all came to know Christ after the age of 13? Raise your hand. You're a miracle. You're a miracle. Because the older you get, this hasn't been hurt anybody's feelings, the more stubborn you get. It's just the way that it is. We don't like, we don't like not to be right. So think, think about Jonah. Jonah's a prophet, so his job's to preach what he wants. And Jonah's thinking about going to the city of Nineveh, and he is scared spitless. He is nervous. He don't want to do it. It's pride. Because what am I going to say? What if I'm not good? What if, what if they don't like what I say? Man, they could kill him. They could skin him, hang him on a pole, which is what they would do back then. I didn't like the message. I'm going to skin you and hang you on a pole. And that's what's in Jonah's brain. And so Jonah has an option. Am I going to do what God told me or am I not going to do what God told me? What keeps us from doing what God tells us? Pride. I've got a better way. I've got a better plan. And I think this thing's going to work out better if I'm in charge of it. So I speak a lot and speak to different groups all the time. I remember in 2008, I got my first invitation to speak to the Falcons. And so I remember driving downtown, and I'm thinking, you know, at North Star, you got, even if I screw up, the music's great. Would y'all agree with that? The music's great. So even if I screw up, you're like, ah, oh, the music's great. I'll go back next week. Down there, it's like, we have a guest speaker. His name is Mike, and I'm up. And they're, they don't know who I am. They don't know what I've done. They don't know anything about me. And I'm in a room with 25 to 30 guys that I've watched on television a thousand times. And the last thing the chaplain told me was, if you go over, they'll get up and leave because they have meetings to go to. And I went, that would be embarrassing, all right? And so I remember walking in, and, I, and I'm standing there, and my mouth's dry. I know it's how Jonah must feel. My mouth's all dry. And I remember right before I spoke, Roddy White, who was a wide receiver, if you don't watch football, came in and he sat like two feet in front of me, like right there, and went, dude, I'm sorry, I'm late. I'm like, what am I going to say to Roddy White? All right, and so don't be late again. Don't let that happen again, Roddy, all right? And so I didn't know, I didn't really know where to go with this, but I was nervous because pridefully, I want to be good, and I didn't know if, I, I didn't know if they're going to like it. We hate learning new ways. I remember a guy a couple years ago at North Star, now, I love athletics. You guys know that. The guy at North Star said, it's been a while now. He said, I'm going to teach you to play golf. 
do you play golf? I said, I play putt-putt. All right, and he said, that's not golf. And I said, he said, are you any good? And I said, well, I lose to Ann, but there's four of us, and I finished in second. All right, and the kids are, kids are still growing up, but it, well, I can morph the score as I need it, but I'm keeping up the score. And so he said, so I'm taking, you're not very good at it. I went, you could take it that way. And so he's like, I'm gonna teach you to play golf. And so we go out to the golf course, and I was not good. I was not good. You ever heard the word shankopotamus? All right, and so that would have that would have fit my golf game that day. Is I'm hooking them to the right and left, and I'm irritated because I don't want to be bad at something. I want to be good at something, and I didn't ever. I never did it again. He never called me again either. And so, but anyway, so it was a waste of money. And so I wasn't good at it. I remember taking my college kids skiing back when I was a youth pastor. Took the college kids skiing all the way up to Boone, North Carolina. Lynch, we're going to teach you to ski, man. I'm like, I never skied. Couldn't ski in college because of baseball. They wouldn't allow us to. I've never skied. We're going to teach you. We're going to teach you. The minute we get to the slopes, they take off for the top of the slopes. And I'm there in the outside the little cabin area with my skis on and my helmet on and my vest on. And I walk outside. As soon as I got out there, I fell. Like, I uh, just, gravity got me. And so I fell over and I'm laying there. And I remember a lady coming up to me going, son, would you like me to get your counselor? I went, I am the counselor just get me up get me back to the cabin and you know what? I never did it again you know why I didn't do it again because of pride I didn't want to say I couldn't do it you know why some of us never do anything spiritually pride we don't want to fail at it so it's easier just to sit there and keep on doing what we've been doing and yet God's trying to get our attention but we think everybody look at me we think our way's better we think our way's best I don't want to do it we get stubborn and here's what we'll do we will miss God's best in our lives and we'll jump on boats we were never meant to be on to just run from what God told us to do because we weren't comfortable do it can I tell you guys something everybody look at me let you in a little biblical secret God's never going to ask you to do things that are comfortable he's always going to ask you to get out of comfortability to do things that are uncomfortable why because faith is not needed until you're in an uncomfortable situation and that's different in each of our lives. That story is played out different in each of our lives. The people of Nineveh smelled their pride and they hated it and they wept over it. They were broken over it and they smelled the stench. Finally, they quit looking at everybody else and they looked inwardly and they're like, I don't like it. And they wept. They put on sackcloth. They even put sackcloth on the animals. They're like, what did we do? And they put sackcloth on the animals and, and they said, as a nation, we mourn over our sins. And God broke pride. Get this, and I'll move on to point three. We will never change until pride is broken. Never. I'll get calls from parents all the time. I want you to meet with my teenage son. He needs to change. And, and I say this in love. Until they're willing to change, they ain't going to change. And I always say this. You give them my number and when they're ready to talk, I'd love to talk to them. No, I want you to call them. Nothing offends a teenager more than the pastor giving them a call going, hey, your mom wanted me to call you. Well, don't tell them I gave you their number. Well, how else did I get it? All right, and so it's just, it's just I don't really know what to do with that. Here's what I've learned, though. People don't change till they want to change. The people of Nineveh wanted to change, and Jonah was available to take the message to the people, and God, boom, he broke their pride. Point number three, not only does he break our pride, 
he creates new appetites within us. See, out of the people of Nineveh, man, they started to see the things that didn't work. Here's what I'll tell you about life. If you take something out, you better fill it back up with something good. If you only take out negative, well, I'm just not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to watch that anymore. I'm not going to go there anymore. And you don't replace it with something good, you'll just fill it with something else bad. But God creates new appetites within me. I don't know how many men here at North Star that I've been in small group with. They're like, man, five years ago, Lynch, I didn't even go to church anywhere. It's like, man, I just, I just want to read. I want to learn. I want to grow. Give me another book to read. Give me another. Man, I didn't even read books when I was in college. And, and I just, I can't get enough. What it, God's creating new appetites. Here's what I'll tell you. While you have breath in your lungs, God's at work in you question is are you available for him to speak then the people of Nineveh believed in God and here's what we're going to learn about this this is the craziest part of this whole story Jonah still didn't like the people to say he was reluctant is an understatement Jonah didn't like the people but yet God still used Jonah and these people went, I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to change. It's never too late to change the direction you're headed. Never. You could be 60, you could be 20. But here's what the enemy will tell you. He'll whisper in your ear, no, 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 no. You got way too much baggage. You've told God no too much for him to use you. Let me tell you something. Everybody look at me. If we negated God's work in our life by whether we said no every time or yes every time, this book would be really thin. This book is the story of people just like you and me that swung and missed a lot and got a lot of hits a lot. But the question was, are they willing to listen when God speaks the next time? For some of us, God's created a new appetite. Man, we get involved in a small group. We join and we get plugged in volunteering. And we go, man, I need to do more. I don't want to just sit and take. Well, that's what God, I can't make you do that. That's the, that's the Lord that does that. Here's the question of the day. When he speaks, what do you do? And the answer to that question will determine how useful your life is to him. Would you pray with me? Father, I know how easy it is to miss your best and to miss what you have for us. Man, you may be in one of our rooms in Compass or True North or in the patio or one of our family watching online today. Maybe you're sitting there today and you're like, man, Mike, that's, that's me. I'm prideful and I'm stubborn. I know the Lord, but I'm prideful and stubborn and I don't always listen. But I want to tell God today, God, if you speak, 
I'll listen. Today, if that's you, I want you to look up. I want you to look on that screen. There's a phone number. I want you to just pull out your phone. It's really simple. And I want you to text the word listen to that number, would you? Mike, why do I need to do that? Because then we're accountable for a decision that we made. There's a pastor on the other end that'll say, man, how can I be praying for you to listen? And it'll help you in your journey be accountable for what God has for you. Just text the word listen to that number. We want to be a people that don't miss God's hand and miss God's move and miss what he is up to in our lives. Maybe you're here today and you say, Mike, I don't know the Lord, man. I've grown up around church. I've been in and out of church through the years, but I never knew God was personal. I never knew God had something for me. And Mike, today, I, I be, I'm like the people of Nineveh. I believe. Can I lead you in a prayer to meet him? It's super simple. It's really not even the words. It's really the spirit and attitude of your heart. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. Would you pray that? Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you live for me. Would you pray that? I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. If today you prayed that prayer, I want you to do what the folks did a second ago. I want you to just look up. I want you to look on that screen. I want you to text the word follow to that number. Follow. They took, put on sackcloth and wept and mourned. We want to help you in what your next steps look like in your journey. Just text the word follow to that number. Just take a second right where you are and tell God you want him to do something new in your life. Would you? Just let him speak to your heart.